Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, that's me, ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is the Ion Travel Podcast with CBS News Travel Editor Peter Greenberg, presented by Clear. Enroll today at clearme.com slash Peter and try Clear at the busiest airports nationwide. Hi, everybody. Peter Greenberg here with another edition of the Ion Travel Podcast. You know, we love our connectivity, but at what price? No, I'm not talking about how to get the best signal so you can WhatsApp, FaceTime, or text your best friend, or actually talk to somebody on your cell phone. I'm talking about the power of new cell phone technology and airline safety, specifically 5G and the instruments and airplane cockpits. That's the latest battle between the FAA, the FCC, and the airlines, and it could easily affect the next flight you take, not to mention where you land. I'll speak to commercial airline pilot Greg Morris about the issue and his view from the cockpit and what the solutions might be or might have to be. Then, what's your nominee for the worst airport in the world? Pauline Fromer, the editorial director of the legendary Fromer's Guides, has a list. And then, something we don't think about when we travel. Humidity. But we should. And Toby Stanger from Consumer Reports did all the testing on humidifiers. And yes, Chances are pretty good your hotel can actually send one up to your room, if it's the right one. First up, Captain Greg Morris. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. How are you, sir? Hi, Peter. How are you? All right. So let's back me up on this because right now, the, the, the concept of 5G, you know, we've come to expect it now on our, on our cell phones, just like we want to, everybody likes to have wireless on the airplane. But we're now not talking about interference from within the plane. 
we're talking about potential interference from without the plane. Walk me through that. Yeah, well, I mean, this is serious, Peter, uh, and it's being taken seriously now, anyhow, by the FAA and uh, the airline and cargo industry as a whole. But, I mean, think of it as 5G technology being rolled out present day as perhaps being the, the modern-day kryptonite for aircraft safety. Um, yes, as you mentioned, um, cell phones uh, being rolled out uh, and the concern about having those devices on. I'll tell you, though, a firsthand experience, particularly perhaps when there are multiple cell phones on in the back, I can hear some clicking that might interfere with um, uh, coming across on the radios. Um, but um, this is a different issue. Uh, the, the potential for interference uh, between the end of the spectrum where 5G is authorized to operate, we'll call it specifically that 3.7 to 4.2 gigahertz, it's perhaps eerily close to the frequency range where radio, radio, radio altimeters operate at 4.2 to 4.4 gigahertz. So let's focus on the radio altimeter, which measures the distance of an aircraft above the earth by timing how long it takes a radio wave to hit the earth's surface, bounce back, and return to the aircraft. That's the device that we're focusing on as the potential interfering factor with 5G near the airport perimeters. But there are some serious concerns now, and the FAA has um, issued a, um, an AD to... Um, That's an airworthiness directive an airworthiness directive, which stops um, low visibility approaches from happening where um, these 5G towers might be closed. So it's a real serious concern for us. Um, we're, we're talking about, the, the, let's put it in, in real term context, in real world context. First of all, um, I've shot an approach into Seattle, Tacoma uh, just a week ago. It was heavy fog, it was low visibility, and the only way to get into Seattle was uh, by uh, conducting an auto land approach, which means that essentially the plane is flying itself in. We're, you're, talking, you're talking about a Category 3. We are talking, talking about a Category 3 approach, um, and for layman's, it means that the aircraft is being guided in laterally and vertically um, by signals on the ground, and co-related is this... Um, um, radio altimeter, which is measuring the aircraft's height above the ground. All these factors happening at the same time. Now, with potential interference by 5G, the aircraft could, in theory, think that it's actually higher than it really is because of these 5G uh, radio interference, the radio band uh, interference. As a result, a worst case scenario is that the aircraft, thinking that it's higher than it actually is, could fly itself into the ground when we're sitting there fl uh, flying in the fog in zero visibility conditions. Um, also, these auto land features rely heavily on the radio altimeter to um, do various things, have the airplane, since basically we're hands off in an, a Cat 3 approach in an auto land situation, and it's and the, all the computers on board are interacting with the radio altimeter to, and, and doing various things. The plane is doing various things, like retarding the thrust levers when it thinks it's close to the ground. If the airplane doesn't know where it is, it could potentially be doing very dangerous things with an, in an autopilot situation. I hear you. And, that, and what that means, by the way, 
is that explains why earlier this week you saw a number of international airlines just preemptively cancel flights to the United States where they were concerned about visibility on landing. Uh, These are long-haul flights where they, you know, when the pilot, when you go into a briefing room to get your weather reports for your routings, you know, all of a sudden you see that there may be a marine layer in San Francisco or fog in Boston and, and the airline basically says at that point, okay, we're pulling the flight because we don't know what plan B is going to be if, the, if there's a 5G tower nearby. Right. So what this airworthiness directive basically is doing uh, now in place, and, and keep in mind that AT&T and, and Verizon last minute have agreed not to turn on certain 5G towers near certain airports. But the FAA has a blanket, what we call airworthiness directive, which says there's not going to be a low visibility approach, including an Autoland approach, a Cat 3 approach, near any uh, designated airport where there's potential for 5G interference. My thanks to Greg. Remember back when, when then-Vice President Joe Biden complained that LaGuardia Airport in New York was a third world airport? LaGuardia was then in such bad shape that Biden's comments actually insulted a lot of -of state-of-the-art third world airports. And while LaGuardia is certainly improving, there are other airports out there that don't work very well. Pauline Fromer, editorial director of Fromer's, shares with us her list of the worst airports in the world and why. Uh, one of the things that you just posted in Fromer's.com, which I thought we'd talk about, is you gave me your list of, uh, of the airports that are uh, not high on your list. <laughs> Yeah, this was an update for an article. We did this about three years ago, and it's interesting. The the airports that are the worst, it does change. A lot of the really, really bad ones were difficult to deal with because they were under construction. Uh, So, for example, JFK Airport was on our list three years ago, dropped off this year. Its delay rate is better, as is its cancellation rate, and it's much more pleasant to go through it. But then you have a Denver International Airport, which is undergoing a massive uh, load of construction work, and it's become hell uh, to fly in there because, you know, the, the corridors are confusing mazes, they're long security lines, because the TSA told uh, a, a reporter they can't get enough people to stack the, the to staff the checkpoints there, and they get an unusual number of people in Denver trying to bring guns on board the planes, which messes everything up. So you have really long waits in Denver, and you have all of this construction, which they've had to close two parking lots too. So oh, a yeah. real hassle with parking. And, and 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 that's happening, of course, at LAX as well, because they have all the construction on those parking lots or the parking garages, as well as building uh, an air train out to the to the airport for the first time in the airport's history. And it's if you if you drive your car to, to LAX, you do so at your own peril because there's just nowhere to park. Uh, and people miss their planes just trying to park their cars. It's crazy. We have, we have LAX as the third worst in the nation. Uh, the second worst, it kind of broke my heart. It, it's LaGuardia. And LaGuardia has done a lot to make it less of a third world kind of feeling when you get in there. There's some parts of LaGuardia now that are just gorgeous. But the problem is 
Most of it is still not gorgeous, and it has the second worst delay and cancellation rate in the country. Almost one out of every four planes that flies in there is late or doesn't go at all. So you, you know, know, can I can I weigh in on LaGuardia for a second? Because I go back to the the original quote from then Vice President Joe Biden, who said that it was he called LaGuardia a third world airport. Which, 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 by the way, actually was an insult to a number of third world airports um, that were doing pretty well. Um, here, here's my take on LaGuardia. Uh, it, it, had, it could only have gotten better. However, the people who design airports, I'm convinced, have never flown. Uh, they, they put in carpet that is not friendly to your rollerboard bag or to anybody who has a mobility problem in a wheelchair. They make the world's longest walks. Uh, you're walking between 10 and 20 minutes from the time you clear security just to get to your gate. Um, and that's another problem. So what we really have here, and you mentioned the on-time performance, what we have now in LaGuardia is the makings of a beautiful, lovely, gleaming, congested airport. Yeah. And, you know, even some of the beauty didn't really land right because when when you go into one of the major terminals in LaGuardia, they have this massive sculpture. It's a hanging thing and it looks just like a coronavirus under a microscope. (laughs) Such a bad thing. Of course, it was done pre-pandemic. Hey, it was was visionary. It was visionary. They they were forward thinking there. Um, They also have a, a, a fountain that drops from the ceiling and the and and that looks great, except they haven't quite figured out the drainage, and um, it gets a little wet there. So watch your step. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although you know, it's kind of like Vegas. They're they're now projecting these booster videos about how great New York is on these dancing waters. It's it's very strange. Yeah, the one thing I will tell you, the one thing I thought was kind of fun and humorous and it got my attention is when you leave the United and the American Terminal to go down to baggage claim beautiful tile work that that is on the wall next to the escalator and what do they feature you know well-known subway stops and of course a good humor truck that i thought that was you had to have good humor to go to laguardia anyway all right so that's laguardia who else made the list well, uh, we also put uh, Dallas, Fort Worth on the list uh, because they're having severe shorting staff, uh, staffing shortages, uh, which means if you want to get food at a restaurant, um, the restaurants have been stealing employees from one another. The head of the airport had to step in, uh, but there are huge lines. There's waits at the baggage carousel. Uh, and now it's third worst in the nation for delays and cancellations. Didn't used to be that high, but something's going really wrong. 20% of the flights were late or canceled altogether uh, in the last two years. Not a very high number that you want to report, but that's what it is. Uh, okay, now having said that, is there any good news, Pauline, uh, about any airports in America? Well, yes, a bunch of them dropped off our list. Fort Lauderdale used to be on the list. It's really improved. It has much better on-time performance than it used to, and it doesn't look as but ugly as it used to. <laughs> um, you know, so so places are improving. We put uh, Dulles on the air on this list, but it's no longer as low on the list as it used to be. 
And we may take it off next year because they just uh, finished a multi-billion dollar renovation of it. And it could be could be better pretty soon. Plus, yay, the D.C. Metro Rail is supposed to start serving uh, Dulles a, sometime in 2022. So that'll be a big improvement for travelers. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. You know, I had some really cheap airfares over the last two weeks, but that uh, that party may end soon. Not necessarily because more people are going to fly, but also because the airlines have paired their schedules and there are fewer flights for the next couple of months. Pauline, what numbers are you seeing? Well, I talked with the chief economist at the website Hopper. What they do is they track airfares and they are seeing a rise of 7% every month from here until June. That's a big number. The average, the, the normal rate is about a 2% increase from the low, low season rates that you see in January to the high season of summer. Uh, so so that's, a, that's a big, big jump. Now, when I asked him, though, does that mean that people who are traveling this summer should book travel now? He demurred. He didn't want to say that because... He brought up the point that airlines generally do not release their lowest airfares until they see how a flight will be selling. So he still thinks that one should wait. I'm on the fence. I, I'm not sure if, if his uh, advice is correct with such an extreme uptick. Uh, now, but as you said in the last segment, Prices are unusually low right now, especially for international travel. Yeah. By, Hop by Hopper's estimation, they we have never seen January international airfares as low as they are right now. You're right. But let's go back to what he said about whether or not you should buy your airfare now. I tend to agree with you. You know, the airlines depend on algorithms that, found, that we discovered during the pandemic made no sense at all to be able to project demand or set prices. And they're still not back on track. So if they're charging me $32, to go from Dallas to LaGuardia now, why wouldn't I book a ticket if I can get a similar fare or somewhat even slightly higher than that for four or five months from now? It, it's, it's basically the law of supply and demand and common sense that the fares can't get any lower. They really can't. They can only go higher. Right, right. Yeah, no, it's unusually low right now. So we'll see. We'll see. It's going to be, you know, so much of this depends on that damn virus. What the virus does, if Omicron is the end of it, which many of us hope it will be, that it becomes an endemic disease uh, that we learn to live with, then definitely prices are going to come higher. But if there's another virus named for a, a, a letter in the Greek alphabet coming, all, all guesses are off. Although I'll give you a, a, a strategy here. Let's assume you buy a ticket today and it's, uh, let's say, $400. And, and God forbid we have another variant and airfares drop. All you need to do at that point, at least if it's on a U.S. carrier, is cancel that flight. That money goes into your credit account. And then airfares drop, you buy it at a lower fare. It's it's no it's no different than puts and calls on the stock market, except you're not going to lose any money. Right. No, that's a, that's a good strategy. 
Yeah. All right. Now, speaking of strategy, the uh, pandemic allowed you and may, may have even forced you to do something in a much more different way, which is to what? Now it's time to update all the books. And updating books in the middle of a pandemic, not an easy uh, operation. Well, it was at different levels of difficulty based on the destination. We knew we had to really overhaul these books. You know, that, that life was changing drastically in many of the destinations we covered. So I actually write the New York City book, Fromer's New York City Day by Day, just came out, I lost a good quarter of the hotels in that book. They simply don't exist in New York anymore. I lost a quarter of the restaurants. But between the months of, I think it was April and August of 2021, there were record numbers of new restaurateurs applying for restaurant licenses. So we have a whole slew of really great new restaurants here being run by the folks who used to be the assistant chefs at the old now gone places and so it, it was it was hard to research i had to do a lot of work a lot of running around but i think it, in terms of the food scene it's it's an even more fun destination and because we no longer have any uh, business travel that's out the window hotel prices haven't been this low in years so i had to restructure the whole t- whole hotel chapter which always was a I feel sorry for you, tourist, that you have to pay these crazy rates for these tiny rooms. Now things are very different. Um, In Paris, though, and I should say all of our books are written by local authors. Uh, So we have people embedded in the destinations. And in Paris, the French government really gave a lot of subsidies to many tourist businesses. So we, we lost none of the hotels in that book and very few of the restaurants, they're going to survive. So that turned out to be a less drastic change than say the New York book was. But yeah, it's been it's been interesting and sad. You know, some of the places oh, yeah. I love that are gone. My thanks to Pauline. Whenever you travel, either in the air or on the ground, you're confronted with dry air. Not such a good thing. Enter the brave new world of humidifiers, not just for home use, but when you travel. And Toby Stanger, the senior editor at Consumer Reports, tested them all, and she has a report. Hey, Toby. Hi, how are you? Good, and you don't just, like, rate them, you test them. You're in there. How many? You tested, what, more than 60 of them, right? Yeah, we have uh, 71 uh, uh, humidifiers in our ratings right now on consumerreports.org, and we have them in five different sizes, from portable travel sizes that you might be particularly interested in, all the way up to big consoles that will humidify uh, a thousand square feet or more. Now, am I silly by, by thinking that this is good for my health, or is it just a comfort issue? It is mainly a comfort issue. Doctors n- don't typically prescribe uh, humidifiers for cold or flu, but uh, they can make you feel more comfortable. If you are somebody who whose skin gets very dry in the winter because the cold air makes the cold air makes air drier out and inside and so if that bothers you and it you know crack you know you get cracked um, skin or uh, lips or you know your nose dry you know inside your nose feels like it's dried up a humidifier can help you feel more comfortable and it can help your children feel more comfortable too and even your pets 
Well, you know, I'll tell you a funny story. When I was growing up, my dad was a doctor, and any time I was like getting hoarse or a sore throat, he would go in the kitchen, heat up hot water in the tea kettle, uh, take a paper towel roll and take the cardboard roll from that, stick the cardboard roll in the top of the tea kettle, and steam would come out, and he'd say, okay, come over here and inhale. And it worked. <laughs> it worked. I love it. Yeah. So same kind of principle. So I'm a big fan of it. But now the question is, what kind of humidifier makes makes a difference when you're traveling? And uh, I know you tested those as well. Sure. So <clears throat> you mentioned that uh, in hotels, they may be able to provide you with a humidifier. I'd be a little cautious of those because you don't know how often those humidifiers have been cleaned. And a, a humidifier that has not been cleaned could have at the very least, have particles uh, that, you know, are going to clog up the system and, and uh, not let the steam or the, or the vapor come out as quickly. But at worst, they might harbor uh, mold spores and other things that can actually make you sicker. So yeah, um, yeah. At, at Consumer Reports, we are very much in favor of very regular cleaning of humidifiers. And if you can possibly carry a travel humidifier with you, that's even better because then you have more control. Although I must add, ask you, Toby, isn't it also the quality of the water in the community where you're putting it in that humidifier? Because I've seen humidifiers not just in hotel rooms but in, in my own house at some point in different places where I've lived where there was a lot of calcium deposits on that humidifier. Right, and in our Consumer Reports ratings, we actually include how well the uh, humidifiers perform with hard water because that can be a problem. Ideally, the humidifier manufacturers would like you to use distilled water, um, but that can be very expensive. So another way to handle that is to uh, put, put your water through a filter. You know, many people use those Brita filters or they have filters through their refrigerator, so that's another way to do it. Um, the other thing about using a water that's been filtered or distilled is uh, for certain types of humidifiers, they can produce a sort of a little film that, I, you know, a, sort of a particles that go, uh, that end up on surfaces. That's uh, a type of humidifier called a cool mist ultrasonic humidifier, and they're the most popular kind of humidifiers. So if you don't want that film, you should probably use a particular kind of filtered water or distilled water. All right. So now that you've given me everything I never wanted to know but need to know <laughs> <laughs> about humidifiers, know, too much. In, the testing, in the testing that you did, give me an idea of the price points of these things. Sure. So I, I should go back just a bit to explain that there are really two kinds of humidifiers. There are the cool mist humidifiers, which I just mentioned, and they come in two varieties, ultrasonic and evaporative. Um, and the other is the warmest humidifiers, which people know as vaporizers. Those are the, you probably had those as kids and, you know, uh, you might put some Vicks Vapor Rub on them, you know, on your chest, or they even, you can put them in little dishes that are attached to the vape, to the vaporizer. So there are a bunch of different varieties and they really range in price a lot. You can get a, a, a small, a small humidifier for about 30 bucks, one that can, that does very well. Uh, that can be a Best Buy in Consumer Reports uh, uh, test, and they can go up into the hundreds of dollars if you're going for a very big one. But um, as with everything, price does not necessarily uh, correlate 
with quality. So we have some very, you know, inexpensive humidifiers that do very well. We've got a CVS humidifier that's small. It's for a small room that goes from about 26 square feet to about 299 square feet. Um, and that is a Best Buy, and it's only $32. Um, and it no. does better than uh, another humidifier right below it that's $90. Actually, very similar um, performance. So but one, more, one, you can, one more question for you. Yeah. And that is, when something is called a travel humidifier, that pro- in many cases that means it can be transported, but it may not be portable. Well, the travel humidifiers that Consumer Reports test, and the CBS one I mentioned, is not a travel humidifier. It's just a small humidifier. The travel humidifiers are really portable. They actually, most of it, we, we have four of them in our ratings right now, and three of them actually use as water tanks just plain old water bottles that you can get out of a vending machine. You, the, the, the water bottle becomes the tank. And all that you're really uh, carrying around uh, in your suitcase is the, the bottom part of the machine that helps create the mist. My thanks to Toby, to Pauline Fromer, and to Captain Greg Morris. And my thanks to you for listening to this Ion Travel podcast. For more conversations with the world's leaders in travel, as well as answers to your travel questions, be sure to rate and review this podcast wherever you happen to listen to podcasts. And for all the breaking travel news, just take a deep breath, turn on that humidifier, then log on to petergreenberg.com. Special thanks to our sponsors at Clear. Enroll in Clear at clearme.com slash Peter and zip through busy airports nationwide. If you like Ion Travel with Peter Greenberg, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at wondery.com survey. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. Auto Trader. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary and it's not boring. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. I'm going to be your financial coach, someone who brings common sense and an insider's perspective on how to manage your money and your emotions. And I promise we are going to have a little bit of fun along the way. Have a question from retirement to career changes to college funding? Just send us an email at askjill at jillonmoney.com. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app.